Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, when you discover the exciting news that you're expecting a baby, naturally you're eager to provide your child with the best possible start to life. But with endless amounts of gadgets and continued introduction of new technologies means there's no shortage of shiny new things to be excited about using and of course filling your nursery with. But let's face it, Australia is officially in a recession as COVID has triggered the biggest economic plunge on record. So let's be realistic about this. Human beings have successfully procreated and parented newborns for thousands of years without the need for the newest and best version of everything available in the market. So how can we establish what items are deemed as essential on our purchase list and what items can we do without? which most definitely would help, of course, with a family budget. Now, to help ascertain what these items are, we welcome our special guest, Karen Faulkner. Now, Karen is a registered midwife of 30 years, child and family health nurse, a baby sleep consultant for 20 years, and holds a degree in psychology among a long list of other qualifications. Now, her passion is helping families through what she knows can be a very challenging and emotional time. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Rachel. And uh, thank you for asking me to do this, uh, this video podcast with you. Oh, well, I'm just very grateful for your time. And of course, as I was just mentioning in the introduction, discovering that you're going to be a parent is an incredibly exciting time, nonetheless Mm. expensive. And so to begin with, I mean, throughout your 30 years experience working with new parents, you know, what have you found is the biggest mistake parents make when fitting out a nursery? Um, I think it's, you know, first of all, when, when you go into a baby shop, um, particularly the baby shop that sells all the prams and the cots and everything, it is overwhelming the amount of choice there is. And often the sales consultant will talk you through the things that she says that you need. And you're like a deer in the headlights. And it really is just, you know, this overwhelm that you're feeling. And you're thinking, well, if other mums are using this stuff, then maybe I do need all these things. So there's a bit of peer pressure here. And it's, you know, through social media, through, you know, your mother's group, friends, etc., family. And there's this need to buy everything that's in these stores, everything that you see on Instagram. And because it because you think you actually need these things. But on the, on the many visits that I've done to families, and I've been home visiting for over 30 years now, I'd say about two-thirds of the items have never been used. And just think about what money you could save, never mind the environment, etc., cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to know from your perspective, do you think that parents are too quick to just go out and buy everything because they're excited? Yes. And they yes. may not take the time to plan, which means that they can end up changing their mind about purchases Absolutely. or just doing that impulse buying. What are your thoughts? Yes. Absolutely. This, this is a big problem. You need to write a list. You need to ask other, other mums, family, what they found helpful. 
mm-hmm. rather than just going by what you think you should you should be buying. Other people, they've learned through their mistakes. And I think it's good to learn from their mistakes as to what you would and and, and you wouldn't need to buy. Um, so having a list, it is essential. And I do your research. Um, places like Choice, they do great research, um, looking at all the safety requirements, etc. So, um, so, so doing your fact-finding, essential. So it's really important to have that list and carefully select yeah. what item so you won't regret it and make a mistake. But what oh, about... Yeah. I guess buying furniture and, and mentioning choice as an example, um, because you know furniture can look good, but rather they're not necessarily parents aren't making the right decision about functionality. So, how Absolutely. important is purchasing for practicality over you know functionality? Yeah. So I'm very much a very practical person, and you know trying things out you know, particularly the feeding chair, try it out. Think about you've got this big baby there. It's got to be so comfortable. A couch isn't going to do, you know, an ordinary chair isn't going to do. A feeding chair will actually help you with with your breastfeeding. But even looking at safety as well, um, if you're going to buy things off, things like Gumtree or eBay, etc., just make sure that these cots, the bars are safe, that they're not too wide apart, you bought, you've bought a new mattress. If you're buying a second-hand cot, it should be a new mattress for every baby. Um, but they're the things to, to think about when, mm-hmm. when, when you're buying your products is how safe is that product. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's sort of delve into this, but just before we sort of, sort of deep dive into what your suggestions are, just wanted to acknowledge that we had published your article and the title is Setting Up a Nursery on a Budget. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, uh, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, just what inspired you to write it? Yep. It all started when when COVID-19 hit and I could tell the economy was going to go in a really bad way. Um, as a, you know, a child from this, who was born in the 60s, I've lived through the 70s and serious recession in the UK. Um, it was so bad was the recession that we were having to queue up for petrol and for bread and things like that. And so I've very much been brought up with you don't need everything new. You don't need to have everything. You just need to make sure that whatever you've got, it's useful, it works, um, and it's practical. It's really functional. Mm-hmm. And so I think my mindset is very different to what a lot of the parents are thinking nowadays. You know, in the olden days, we used to put babies into um, the drawers, in the chest of drawers. Did you? you know? Yes, we did. That's where babies used to sleep, in drawers, in chest of drawers. Not joking. Are you kidding me? So hang on. I, so so yeah. up until what, in the olden like, days, what would happen if the, the chest of drawers weren't strong enough or something? Like that's, that's well, incredible. Well, they take the drawer out and put the baby in, <laughs> in the drawer. Here I am thinking you literally pulled the drawer out and you've got I the know. baby in. <laughs> you've got the baby in the drawer. I even did a home you visit, take, Rachel. And this, outrage. Sorry, and this that's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right, <laughs> literally. So... Uh, I even did a home visit once to a family that um, there were students from overseas and their baby was sleeping in a suitcase because they had no money to buy a cot. And it was a safe suitcase. It couldn't, it couldn't fall out of there. So sometimes thinking laterally, 
Yeah. Works. So I'm just it's establishing good. for anyone that didn't understand what I, know. I, I was like. Those are random, random examples, I know. Yeah, no, it's like I just needed to clarify. So it's not necessarily yeah. that they had taken the drawer out and they had the baby sleeping as the, 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 the chest of drawers were standing, that they took the drawer no. out and they had they it. Took the drawer out and the baby yes. slept in the drawer. Yes, I understand what you're saying now. Sorry, of course, yeah. I just didn't think you know, about that logically. So it was my fault. But I understand what you're saying, that when times are hard, that you have to find creative ways of, and safe ways of ensuring the baby has somewhere to sleep that is, I guess, surrounded and secure with walls, you know, walls around the baby. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a scheme in the UK and in Scotland, I'm not sure whether you've heard of it, where they give the parents a cardboard box that is cot-shaped and they put all the items in this that a low-income parent would need and they give them these boxes because it's better to use that than it is to to co-sleep, etc. Yes. And, and do they still do that now, Karen, or that was in the past? No, this is now. This is now. So in Scotland, this they brought it out in the last two years. It's, 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 um, it's a it's, um, special baby box that looks like a cot, but it's made of cardboard. Incredible. And they actually give them give them to low income parents to to sleep them in. I think it came originally from Scandinavia. This idea, because I think that's what they do over there. Mm. Um, but it's a very standard thing in Scotland and in the UK. Well, this is a, a lot for us to think about, um, proving that we're just at the start of the recession, and we really hope that we're yeah. not going to be in this scenario. We've never, no. People nowadays would not have thought of cardboard boxes or putting babies in drawers in chest of drawers. But now, re- and you're right. Rachel, now recession is hitting. We're going to have to think a little bit more laterally. Mm-hmm. Yes, on, on, on safe options, sleeping, Absolutely. safe sleeping options for, for yeah. babies. Um, and yeah. we're not necessarily saying to do these things, but these are things that have been sort of done in the past as examples when there hasn't necessarily been the money for families to go That's out right. and purchase the brand new cots and all of these wonderful fandangle things that are available. So by no means are we saying to do these things. This is just an example of what has been done in the past. So thank you for, for clarifying that um, as well, Karen. But I'd love to know, you know what other sort of changes have you sort of seen in, um, with setting up a baby's nursery in the last 30 years then? Yep. Um, the biggest changes I'd say would be technology, that we're now using monitors, we're using sensors to put on the babies to measure their heart rate, their breathing, and all those vital signs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we live in small houses and apartments, and our, our ears are very, very good. I'd say I probably get one, one to two parents a year who do not have a monitor. So everybody nowadays has a monitor, some sort of monitor. Yes. So the introduction of technology. Yes. And and why do you think we're so gadget obsessed when it comes to our babies and the nursery then? I think the reason that we're so gadget obsessed when it comes to babies and the nursery is because we're frightened of what might happen to them if we don't do these things. And I think we're very much um, approaching parenting nowadays from a fear-based perspective. We're all frightened of SIDS. We're all frightened, you know, of, of, of what, you know, what harm could happen to our children. And so because we have smaller families nowadays, we're very focused on these on these little little individuals. And they're like, you know, the golden egg. We're literally, you know, monitoring every little little bit of their, you know, being. 
whether it's through the monitor, whether it's through, you know, the the um, owlet's little sock thing that measures heart rate and breathing, etc. Um, through apps, everything. Um, so technology has been a big thing. And I think it's taken away a lot of our intuition, a lot of our gut instinct, a lot of our heart when it comes to parenting. You know, there's there's some parents that don't like to have monitors in bedrooms because because they, they feel the impact of the, you know, the radio waves and the, and the you know, the internet and so on. Um, and I can understand that. And, you know, your ears are perfectly good. They really are. You know, in 30 years of working as a midwife and nurse, etc., I've never seen a SIDS case in a cot ever, which in 30 years is like quite remarkable. And particularly if you, if you knew the areas I used to work at in Manchester and in Melbourne, very low socioeconomic. You think I'd have seen one. And so I think, I think that's why we're approaching parenting with wanting to monitor our children, wanting to keep an eye on them. But all we're doing is we're creating anxiety in mums in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've seen a mum get hold of the iPad with the monitor and she's carried it around all night with her. And quite often on a visit, um, when I'm doing sleep training, I'll get, often get asked, do you want the monitor, Karen? And I'll say, no, thank you. But if you're going to watch it all night, I'll have it. Because I'd rather that I had disturbed sleep than you did. Because a lot of them, they work on motion. And then, you know, it wakes you up. The light is so bright as well. It's not good for parents' sleep, aren't the monitors? Yes, the blue light, yes. If you're going to use one, I'd probably use a sound-based one. I wouldn't use the actual screen one. Yeah. Interesting. That's my personal point of view, you know. Mm Well, in your article, you provide a list of baby items to help parents build a nursery on a budget. I would love for you to go through them with us now, starting with a cot. So we're going to go through them sort of one by one. Um, Starting with a cot, you know, what are some of the best value for for money options here? And um, And as a flow on from that also, I'd love to know how would a parent know if their cot is SIDS or red nose safe? Yep. So when you're looking at a cot, some some really great options for a low-cost cot is IKEA. IKEA does amazing cots. Now, when they look at safety, they have they either take, you know, use their safety standards or they use the world's best safety standards as their benchmark. Um, so IKEA cots will retail for about $299. Um, also, you've got a company called Tasman Essentials that sell a cot for a low 199 and it's made of eco-sustainable wood. So if you're looking at things from an eco perspective, that is an absolute bargain. Um, buy a mattress protector because that'll keep your mattress, you know, good for a long time because there's going to be lots of spillage from bodily fluids on the mattress. Um, <laughs> and use a chance that if you buy a secondhand cot that you need a brand new cot mattress. I mean, why is that the case? Yeah. So they found that that the actual, um, the changes in in the cot mattress increase the risk of SIDS. The firmness? is the firmness of the mattress. The firmness as well, but there was actually something happening with with, with the mattress itself. Um, It it was producing some sort of environmental pollutant that they they thought might have an impact on SIDS. 
Um, but it's just making sure that it adheres to SIDS guidelines, that you've got a, a new mattress, it's a firm mattress, that it's a new mattress for a new baby. It fits the cot as well. You don't want any gaps down the side. And it's, it's really important that you know, the baby is safe in that cot. Don't use cot bumpers. Um, they're not safe at all. SIDS don't recommend them. Don't use pillows. Don't use doonas. There should be nothing in the cot apart from the baby. And if you're using blankets and sheets, make sure they're tucked in at shoulder height and they're tucked in firmly around the side. Mm-hmm. And um, look, we're in partnership with um, Red Nose, uh, formerly SIDS and Kids, and um, we have a lot of that information, which, of course, anyone can go to their website and and see they've got six safe sleeping recommendations, which they continually promote for every parent to be um, as as, uh, educated as possible on what those those six steps are, which is critically important. Um, But I'd love to know from your perspective, what are the three most important factors to help promote sleep in general in a baby's room? Yep. So I would look at making your room very, very dark, pitch black in particular to help with day naps. I would look also as well to having a cool room. Um, In winter, particularly when we you know, crank that heating up, it actually is not helpful for babies, for their sinuses, for their breathing. So a cool room of 16 to 20 degrees is ideal. And then lastly of all, you know, I would make sure there's, there's no like LED lights, that there's no night lights, etc., in there to interfere with melatonin. Mm-hmm. And, and talking about um, cots as well, is it possible to use a cot from birth? And if so, how then? Absolutely, you can. There's no reason that you need to have a bassinet or have a Moses basket um, or a a little crib. You can go straight to using a cot for a little baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, tucking them in at shoulder height with blankets and sheets, making sure they're they're featured to the bottom of the cot, they're always on their back to sleep. And bring the sheets right to the bottom. So if, 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 for example, they would sort of, yes, have them tucked in from here. Yes. And just using layers of blankets and, and, you know, on the baby. When you're using layers of blankets, it actually helps decrease their cortisol and makes them feel really secure. A lot of parents are just using swaddles and then putting the baby into the cot. There's no security there. When you've got a heavy weight of blankets, and I'm not talking many, I'm talking two to three, like I say, you're increasing endorphins and decreasing cortisol. Mm -hmm. Always you know, have your baby on their back to sleep. But just make sure they're nice and snug and warm. Babies lose their body heat four times as fast as an adult. And they get and why cold. why is that? It's just because of how their temperature regulating center is. And they get cold between 3 and 4 a.m. And once they get cold, they can't get warm again. So looking at using wool blankets in particular, merino wool, because it wicks away the, the moisture and let's let's go of heat that needs to go, but keeps hold of the heat that needs to stay. Cotton blankets are not great for heat retention at all. That's interesting. So cotton is not necessarily a great option for a blanket it's that's going to keep a baby option. warm right throughout the night. Yep. And yet nearly every family is using mainly cotton. So I've had a lot of very cold babies this winter, Rachel. Very interesting. So with making choices for blankets, um, wool is the best option. And if a family can afford merino wool, merino wool, if you have a a choice, is that right? And, you know, if if you've got a grandma or an auntie that's really good with the knitting and the crochet, get them to knit or to to crochet a blanket for them, you know, because there's many cheap ways that you, you can acquire a wool blanket. 
And what is in in the um, article you reference uh, Doc a totter or snuggle pod? How can they help um, with the transition um, in that sort of twelve week period immediately after you've had the baby and brought it home? Yep. So, so the docker tot or the, you know, a, a, a snuggle pod, it helps with creating the fourth trimester. Now, from a SIDS point of view, it's a bit of a grey area and I don't think SIDS are awfully keen on them. Um, but as long as your baby can't, you know, get trapped ar- around the foam bit, around, around the side, um, it can be a really helpful thing to use in a cot. So, just to clarify, is the snuggle pod and um, the how do you pre- doc tot? How did you pronounce it? Doc a tot. Are, are they SIDS recommend? Recommend they're not. They're not. Okay. Okay. That's that's really good to know. Okay. Um, a lot of moms use them. I've even had a pediatrician who asked me about them, and she went and bought one. And I said, look, from a SIDS point of view, they're not. It, you know, they're not recommended. Mm-hmm. So. It is, it is something that's very trendy on Instagram, but it's just to be aware that they're maybe not the best option. Okay. Well, that's really important for anyone to, to know that, that they're not SIDS uh, recommended. Um, so they're not necessarily endorsed for safe sleeping by Red Nose. Okay. That's really important to know. Thank you. Um, I'd love to know also, you, you mentioned earlier about a feeding chair. So why is it important just to invest in a good feeding chair? Because yeah. It's, you know, just think about how many hours you're going to spend feeding. You probably have no idea at the moment when you're pregnant, but breastfed babies, they feed six to eight times a day and as many as eight to 10 times, maybe even 12 times a day. And they can feed for up to one hour at each feed. And if you think this baby's going to be three to four kilos and you find otherwise you get joint issues, you get neck, neck issues, back pain, if you've not got a chair that's really supportive. It's also really important to have a stool to put your feet on. And that will take the pressure off your lower back. But pregnancy releases a hormone called relaxin and it makes all, all your joints relax and become more supple. Mm-hmm. And the more that you overuse them, the more damage you can you can do there. So having a good chair is essential. Because you mentioned that you've heard many mums having to see a chiropractor, a physiotherapist for back pain or the hand yeah. clinic for wrist splints. So um, is, is it relaxin that causes this um, initially? It, it, it is. It's relaxing that causes this, but it's also repetitive use. And if you think about the positions that you get your hand into, they're, they're going to be positions that you've never never done before. Mm-hmm. And also as well, you know, you, you need to have a really good breastfeeding pillow. And having that comfort, it will really help you have, you know, successfully breastfeed. Mm-hmm. When my own sister had her first baby, she didn't have a chair and um, I looked at what she was going to be breastfeeding on and it was the couch and it was a really sort of low couch. I said, that's not going to work, Leslie. You need to get a good chair. And it just changed her life. She still has it now. So just, just to clarify again, just going back to relaxing. So the hormone relaxing makes a woman's joints relax and become supple. But However, it makes it more prone to damage as we overuse them. So that's just a really key takeaway. Um, but I mean, uh, following on from what you were saying, I understand a baby um, or feeding a baby for an extended amount of time can put a lot of pressure on a mother's back, hands and wrist, um, which what, I'm, what you're saying is what I'm hearing is that with your sister, had she sat just on a couch, that necessarily wouldn't have supported her. So the whole That's idea fine. of getting a good quality chair is that it is almost ergonomically designed to support 
the hand, the back, the wrists, and the neck and all of the joints and having a stool is to be able to take the pressure off as well. Uh, is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely it is, Rachel. Yep. Okay. And you mentioned in the article that up to 50% of breastfeeding problems are caused by incorrect positioning. So a, a chair would help with that. Is that right? So it, it can an incorrect positioning can lead to incorrect attachment and nipple damage. Is that correct? Yep. Absolutely. I've seen loads of that. You know, just even a friend of mine, um, I was watching her breastfeed her first baby and she had about four pillows. It was almost like the princess in the pea with the amount of pillows that was there. And then she, the baby wasn't latching on properly because they mm-hmm. weren't getting the areola, the, all, all the boob in, in, the, you know, in the mouth that needed to go in. Mm-hmm. And there's no wonder she was struggling with the breastfeeding. So getting your position right, getting, getting your chair right, um, is is the key to having a successful breastfeeding experience. And, and so how would a mum know what the best position is then with, with finding, yeah, yeah finding I that. would look at things like the Australian Breastfeeding Association. They have some great detail aids on exactly what position you should be breastfeeding in and just and, and latching the baby as well. So that'll be the first place I'll be, I'll be going to for information. But also as well, I've written blogs about this. I've got many blogs on, on, on this on this very topic. Yeah, which of course will have the link through to your website in the show notes Absolutely. also. And so if a mother feels comfortable in her feeding chair, um, will that help her milk flow more freely? Totally. totally it will. You know, it helps your supply, it helps your, your milk flow, um, and it just creates a lovely bonding experience with your baby. It makes a huge difference. Okay, so we've established the cot, the sleeping. Um, now, and any questions with that to be directed uh, to to Red Nose? Um, and of course, you've got articles on that, and so does Kittypedia. Um, the second one would be a, a comfortable feeding chair. The third thing um, I'd love to know: what's your advice, um, and how can families? save money with a chest of drawers as well. Right. So to save money with nappy changing tables, you can use a chest of drawers and use a foam changing mat on the very top of the chest of drawers. I've seen a lot of parents do this because nappy changing tables, they can be two to $300, up to six to $700. And the chest of drawers, you can put all your nappies in the top. You can put your clothes in there as well. Everything is there. What you can also do as well is is put a piece of wood beading along each side just to keep the foam mat in place, but very, very um, good alternative to a changing changing table. So to save money is to purchase furniture with multi-purposes by placing a foam changing mat on top of the chest of drawers. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yep, you don't need a separate changing table. Wonderful. The next thing that you mentioned in the article is the bedside table and reading light. So how does dim lighting help trigger melatonin and to help transition from day to night? Yep. So there's so many bedrooms when, when the nurseries, when I first go in there, there's no chair for the, to read the stories in for the baby before bed, which is really important for the wind down for the bedtime routine. And um, there isn't often a dim, a little, like a little table lamp there. So you just need a little table with a little lamp on it and it'll just help to start the wind down to the end of the day, but also to trigger melatonin. If you've got the bright light, you don't trigger melatonin. You've got to have dim light to help trigger that melatonin. So that would really help your bedtime routine. 
Okay, so a re- really good quality uh, bedside um, table and reading light is something to, to consider as one of the essential things to when, when sort of building a nursery on a budget. And what, yeah. what's your cost-effective tip for blo- block out blinds or curtains also? Yeah. I've got some really great ideas for a cost-effective way of making your room dark. So tinfoil is really easy to apply. Um, you can stick it on with masking tape or you can actually stick it on the window. Um, you just wet your window pane and stick the tinfoil on. Make sure it laps over, over, overlaps on the sides. But that is a really cost-effective option. So tinfoil on the window is, yeah. as a block-out blinds as a cost-effective yeah. method. It works really well, really cheap, and it gives 100% darkness. That's incredible. All right, that's a great tip. So, Nick, so many windows, Rich. <laughs> I bet you have in 30 years. And now, what's your advice when purchasing bed linen then? Yep. So, as I was saying before, I'd always use natural fibers because they're breathable. And these include cotton, bamboo, merino, wool. Mm-hmm. But the more layers that you can have with wool, the warmer the baby's going to be. But wool, you can't overheat with it. And as long as, you know, you've got a cotton sheet next to your baby and you might have one cotton blanket and one or two wool blankets on top. Mm-hmm. And if you layered this up and took them in at shoulder height, but I'll be using breathable fibres. Mm-hmm. So when buying any sleepwear, parents and, and bed, yeah. bed linen, um, they should yeah. only consider buying natural fibres. And as you just mentioned, it's cotton, it's bamboo and merino wool. Um, yeah. And the reason for this is that they, um, the natural fibres allow for breathability. Um, and I just wanted to re-clarify whilst we're sort of back on this topic now um, about keeping your babies warm. You mentioned that babies lose their body heat four times as fast as an adult and they get cold between 3 and 4 a.m. And I just wanted to clarify again just why is it so important to keep the baby's nursery cool? You mentioned earlier because of the sinuses. Is that the only reason? No, it isn't. Um, We all need a cool room, and that includes babies, to be able to trigger sleep. If the room's too hot, it doesn't help them go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Think about yourself on a really hot summer's night, and you struggle, you toss and you turn, and you've got to have a low body, you know, um, a low, um, sorry, room temperature to help the body trigger sleep. It's just Mm -hmm. part of the sleep process. And you've mentioned earlier that cotton is a poor heat retainer um, and that in instead um, they should consider the natural fibres and that being mainly wool for blankets. That's, is that right? Yep, yep, absolutely. But like I said, get, get grandma or auntie out with the knitting needles or the crochet hooks <laughs> and get them to make something for your baby. Um, I actually crocheted my sister her, um, her baby's first um, blankets and um, out of Australian merino wool. Um, and it's super warm. They're lovely. Yes. And, and then, I think we've lost a lot of that sort of stuff, you know, and, and grandmas and aunties, they love to knit, but they're great for heat retention. I must say, every time my mum's found out that someone's having a baby, she's like, right, yeah. okay, and she, she goes and digs up the, the knitting needles and that's yeah. it's just something I they love say, to do. <laughs> bring back the aunties and the grandmas and the knitting needles. I think we've, we've lost a lot of that and then these babies are not, are not you know, warm enough particularly this time of year. Yes, and and just keep on sort of drilling at home that cotton yeah. does not retain heat. So It does not retain heat. Yes. And so what advice do you have for basic baby clothing as well? This is something else that you mentioned yeah. in the article. Yeah. yeah. 
So have have one on the baby, one in the wash, and one in the drawer. And I would I would not buy too much of the first size. I'd buy more the second size because you'll find a lot of people buy things that the first size for your baby. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to end up with loads of stuff. And I buy um, items that, that could be could be used for either gender. Uh, so it's gender neutral stuff. And you'll be using a lot of white things. Um, but, you know, use, use things that are not too expensive because you're going to get this punami explosion at two or three o'clock in the morning. And you don't want your best clothes to be ruined with the punami. So... Bonds, you know, most of the um, the the uh, shops like Target and Kmart, etc., um, they do very cost-effective um, baby clothing. So you don't need to spend a fortune. So just to clarify, your your key tips for setting up a nursery on a budget when we don't need all the fan-dangled new shiny gadgets and everything else is to be able to have uh, a good quality cot to follow Red Nose um, recommendations there, a good quality feeding chair, um, and with regards to any sort of questions to with with regards to feeding, the Australian Breastfeeding Association is a wonderful organisation to cross check um, any evidence based information. Um, a chest of drawers with a foam changing mat on top, so to have furniture that is multi purpose can help save money. A bedside table and a reading light is very important for long feeding nights, um, and also to ensure that the melatonin, the dim lighting is is going to help the baby sleep uh blackout um, blind or curtains and if um the family is unable to afford that as simple as uh as you mentioned tin foil on the window um is easy to do and it's cheap as chips so that's that's an awesome tip um and then with any bed linen and blankets that breathable and natural fibers including cotton bamboo and merino wool um are very important and as you just mentioned with the basic baby clothing as well you just need uh just enough for the baby um, you don't need to go out and have a whole wardrobe um, and in that they grow so fast anyway. It's just a matter of having enough to have one on the baby, three or four in the drawer and one in the wash type of thing. Is that right? That's correct, Rachel. Yep. And the last thing that you have um, mentioned in the article is a baby monitor. But as you mentioned at the start of the chat, we don't necessarily have to have a baby monitor. I mean, does old school is the fact that parents just use their their ears and and instincts. Is that right? That is correct. You know, I'd, I um, trained as a midwife in the days before monitors and before all these gadgets, and your ears are much better than any monitor. Yes. Well, the, we've covered off a lot, um, and this is definitely a lot of food for thought for any new parent or anyone expecting a newborn. So if you were to summarise, I guess, your key messages, um, Karen, what would they be? I think just, you know, don't feel the pressure to buy all the latest things. Write a list, check with family and friends, look at choice and the reviews for all these products. Um, But most parents, they find that two-thirds of the things they have bought, they have never used. And I think this list that I've given you today is a good starting point. Um, There might be a few other things that that you might need, but these are your very basics. Mm -hmm. And I think take your time. Don't rush into buying all these things as soon as you find out you're pregnant. Um, Leave it a little while, have a think about it. And like I said, ask people. 
Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today and for your expertise. And if anyone's got any other questions and want to reach out, um, like for your services or anything like that, whereabouts can they find you, Karen? They can find me at Nurture Parenting, um, both on my website, Facebook page, Instagram, and there's soon to be TikTok apparently as well. (laughs) There you go. Going to get up there and show us your moves. Yes, love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Karen. It's, it's been just wonderful chatting with you and catching up with you. And hopefully we'll have another opportunity for another chat like this in the not too distant future. But in the meantime, just stay safe. Speak soon. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks, Rachel. All right. All right bye, everybody. Care. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddiepedia by visiting our website at kiddiepedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.